This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Ponco Chicken, if you did not already know, is a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine. Uh, there are stores, if you're not familiar, um, all around the Atlanta area. Uh, there's one in Marietta now. There's one in Buckhead. There's one in Shambly. There's one in uh, Midtown. They're popping up everywhere because Ponco is awesome and uh, they're like family. So um, go check out Ponco if you have not already. It is the home of the award-winning Japanese American Chicken Tender. Just to brag on them a little bit more, they were Verizon Super Bowl Live top-selling vendor, three-peat Taste of Atlanta award winner, uh, Midtown Alliance best taste winner. Just they won all the awards because Ponco is great and Ponco is delicious. So if you are in the Atlanta area and are looking to try something new and good and delicious, go check out Ponco Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. Uh, also, if you have not already, go check out chasemonspodcast.com. It's where all of my episodes to all of my podcasts are, all of my writing that I do, uh, more information on me and who I am um, and why you should be listening to this podcast and reading my work and all of that great stuff. Go do that. Go to Chase Thomas Podcast today. If you're an Apple podcast listener, go ahead and leave me five stars and a rating and a review. That's great. I need it. Um, it helps the show continue to grow and all of that good stuff. Um, you can listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, like I said, Apple, Google Play, everywhere where you can get your podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast will be there. So go do that today. Um, all right. I think that's everything. We can get into today's episode. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Good evening. Hello, and welcome to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, uh, it's been about a year since my guy Brady, um, the guy you've probably seen on Twitter with the hockey gifts uh, over the years. Uh, Brady is here. Brady, good evening. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm good. I, you know, it's funny. I was going to go with the last name, and I know how we, we just talked about it before I hit record. Ed Tretton Tretton Narrow. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a doozy. So yeah. I have to make sure because I I normally speak pretty fast. So um, that's a tricky one if you're a fast talker like myself. Yeah, it's tough. It, it gives a lot of people problems. So I never really get uh, too upset about it. But uh, I think you nailed it. There we go. That's we're off to a great start. Um, there's a couple little odds and ends about the NHL right now that I want to talk about because a lot of people are talking about whether or not the Maple Leafs can catch the Panthers and things like that. And Sidney Crosby doing crazy stuff and, uh, around the goal and, uh, McDavid being awesome. But, uh, I feel like we've exhausted those, uh, hockey conversations in recent months and with the break, um, now being over and Ovechkin being back after taking his one game suspension for missing the all-star game and green day, 
um, telling the crowd to get fucking rowdy. Um, things are uh, picking back up in the NHL. But I wanted to actually ask you about a team that if the playoffs were to start today, they would not be in the playoffs. Uh, they not even close, really. Uh, I think they're right now 10 points back from a potential playoff spot. It's the Montreal Canadiens. And I think they're very interesting right now. They had a bad loss Monday without a Vetchkin, uh with the Capitals. Um, had a lot of goals that they probably should have knocked in. And they talked about this and their sloppy play and things like that. But um, I just I had forgotten that they went on a biggish run last year down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And um, they went 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. Um, and only were two points shy of making the playoffs last year. So I want to ask you, do you think this team, with the way they're constructed and getting key guys back from injury, um, should help? Um, do you think they have another surprising run in them this season? You know, I think it's it's definitely possible. Um, you kind of touched on the injuries that have been so so impactful for them that it's it's kind of been hard to get a read on kind of what what this team you know really is this year, just because the injury bug has has hit them. Um, so hard, but I mean, it's going to be a steep hill to climb because, you know, you look at who they're going to be competing with, you know, the, the talents there and it's not even necessarily that, that, they're, that they're not capable of, of going on a run, but it's that the other teams that are going to be fighting for, for those final spots are also really talented. Um, but, you know, when you look at, at the Habs, I think so much of it's going to rely on Carey Price and, you know, his, his play down the stretch and, and how he's going to be in, in, you know, kind of the second half of the season. And we've kind of seen different kind of, you know, carry prices this, this year. And at times he hasn't looked anything like, you know, the elite starting that minder that, you know, we all know that he can be. And then there's other games where, you know, he looks like he's the best goalie in the world. So I, you know, he's had a couple rough, rough games, but then also some really, really elite games. So, I mean, if he's at, if he's on his game, I think they're going to be right there. And then, you know, they get, um, you know, some guys back from injury. And I think, you know, whenever they can get Drew and back, that's huge. But if I had to make a prediction just based on the talent, I think they're going to come up just short this year. What do you make of, of Price? What, what do you make of his season and where he is at this present moment? Are you surprised with the season he's had or is this about what you expected from him? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. You expect Carey Price to be Carey Price and he's, you know, he's kind of failed to live up to, to expectation this year. And that's tough when, you know, for a team that relies so much on um, an, an elite starting netminder, right? You know, he's, he's their guy. He's their number one. They don't really have that superstar forward. Um, like, you know, some other teams do. Um, so you expect, you know, you kind of, you need him to be um, that A-level goalie. And unfortunately he's just come up a little short and he's had some rough outings, but I mean, the positive is he's trending. He appears to be trending in, in a good direction. And if he can have a monster second half and that, you know, I could kind of make up for, for the first half, but yeah, I mean, so far, definitely been underwhelmed by his play this year. Could Brendan Gallagher uh, be the elixir to a late-season run? Yeah, I mean, Gallagher is exactly the kind of guy, you know, that you that every team wants, right? You know, he plays with such with such a fire, and 
Um, that's been an, another just such a massive, you know, whenever you lose somebody like that to, um, to, to, to a concussion and, um, it's not just his, his talent. It's what he brings to a locker room, right? Like he's the kind of guy that's going to get everybody going and, and pump everybody up. So, I mean, I think like, yeah, for sure. Like if, you know, whenever he can get back in, into the lineup, I know he's been cleared for contact, but I don't know when exactly they're going to get him back in, but I mean, he definitely could be the spark, but like I said before, there's a, there's a lot of talented teams competing. And when you look at Montreal's forward group compared to some of the other teams, they, they come up a little short, but I think Gallagher, you know, as soon as he's back in the lineup, he's going to be a spark plug for them. What about Philip uh, Denault? Um, every Canadian's blog and every Canadian's piece that I read um, seems to really be intrigued by his upside and what he could be. He's very young, um, part of their future core, and it seems like his development is critical to where Montreal can be in the next couple of years. Is is that about right, or are you lower on him? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very much intrigued by him as much as you know probably what you're reading elsewhere. I think you know he's he's having an unreal, a really good season for them. Um, but he's also, you know, we also don't exactly you know know for sure if he's going to be able to take that next step to re- you know really become. Um, a, a difference maker, but I mean, everything he's kind of shown so far um, is, is really positive. You know, he's got the speed, he's kind of got, you know, the, the work, the work ethic and he appears to have, some, you know, some really nice um, offensive skills and he can kind of, he, he, he can kind of play wherever. I think that's what you've seen with the halves, you know, they're mixing all, they're trying all these different kind of line combinations and he just seems to be able to produce wherever, wherever he plays. And, you know, when you have a guy that's kind of, you know, he seems to be versatile in a lot of different areas and he's, he's now kind of turned into um, this will be two kind of back-to-back really promising seasons. And I think I, I could see him kind of continuing developing, be, you know, that, that 60 kind of point guy and uh, a critical piece for them in the future years. That would be huge if he becomes that kind of guy. That's, yeah. That's the kind of difference maker that they've been looking for, especially on the young end. Um, and then you have Suzuki, another young guy yeah. who um, led the Ontario Hockey League um, in uh, playoffs and scoring uh, last year before um, the Memorial Cup. Or, uh, yeah, right before the Memorial Cup. And, you know, guys like that, Denault, Suzuki, we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on, but with the kind of season that they're having, and it's not the kind of season that uh, any Montreal fan would have liked. Um, I think there's still um, some room for optimism there. Uh, I also love that I keep forgetting that Ilya Kovalchuk is a Canadian. It's just the most <laughs> random thing in the world. And yeah. I see his quotes after games and I'll read stuff and I'm like, why are they interviewing Kovalchuk? What, what, who is he? And then you just remember, Oh, that's right. He's, He's a Canadian now, and yeah. it's just—it's very bizarre. I—I I, I don't think I'll ever remember that Kovalchuk is actually a Canadian at this moment. Do you think Canadian fans even know that Kovalchuk is a Canadian? I mean, I think they're—they're they're starting to because of what he's doing. I mean, he's been impressive. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a lot of rumors about where he was going to go. I was kind of intrigued, intrigued by that to kind of see who would who would kind of land him and who would actually take that chance because you know he's he's obviously you know he's he's not in in his prime anymore, but he, he still has a lot to offer. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's impressing me with what he's, you know, he's still got the shot. He's still got some of, 
you know, his signature kind of offensive skills. And he's that, he's that veteran guy that you want during a, during a playoff push or, you know, a run like that. So, you know, I definitely think that they have, you know, you mentioned Suzuki. I like him a lot as well. He's got unreal hands. Um, they got a lot of, they got a lot of pieces and whether it's going to fit together or not to, 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 you know, make the playoffs this year is, is tough to say, but I think in the coming years, you know, as long as everybody keeps progressing, depending on what, and also depending on what happened, what they do with Kovalchuk in the future, um, you know, this, this could be a team that's, you know, a playoff team uh, very soon. Um, unfortunately, they play in a tough conference where yeah. there's not a lo- not a lot of room for them to rise. And I think exactly. people have to look at that. And if you're a Canadian fan, you're frustrated. And this is also why just I think in it, the NHL has to scrap this current playoff format. It's just I very much loathe this playoff format. It's I understand what they're trying to do with the rivalries and um, create these long term um, rivalries that they, they really want for some reason. But mm-hmm. I I don't. I don't agree with it. And I think, um, I don't know. I just, I don't, I'm not a fan of this. And you know, Gary Bettman sweating about the Canadian, uh, the hurricanes, excuse me, getting that second wild card spot, not the maple. Uh, I think he's, <laughs> yeah. he's not, he's not thrilled by that current development. I would say. So are you kind of like me in the old, like you, you'd be fine if it went back to, to one verse eight, like the yes, old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down for that as well. I mean, I think that's, that's the most fair way to do it. I, I say, I mean, I, I don't necessarily like dislike how they, how they do it now kind of makes sense because of, you know, the divisions they got and stuff. And, but I mean, I, I typically, well, it's cannibalizing their best teams. That's what I just don't like. I think it's just not good that you have like last year with Boston and Toronto in the first round. Exactly. Like that's just not good for your sport to eliminate some of your best teams right away. I just, I don't think that's good for the product. Like the first round last year was like just incredible, but it shouldn't have necessarily been like that, you know. It was a bloodbath, and then it just yeah. like sets the stage for the rest of it, where you're like you're more intrigued by the first round than you are the Stanley Cup, which yeah. I don't think should ultimately be the the thing there. But with the current playoff format, I think that's how it is, just because of what they're what they're doing. Um, Marcus Peterson got paid. Uh, by the Penguins, uh, Rutherford promised he was going to pay him, and he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like this contract for Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the, Pittsburgh's kind of, you know, with with their defense, it's kind of it's it's been an issue, right? Because Latang is injury prone, um, you know, Schultz is injury prone. So if you can lock down a guy, you know, I don't even think you know a whole lot of people in the NHL know know much about him he's kind of more of a an under the radar guy but he's still you know he's 23 years old and he's going to be a key piece for them um he's not a huge offensive producer but he's kind of just a steady presence back there and I like a lot of the kind of the variables that he brings in terms of defensive play and you know there's there's some offensive upside there so when you look at the the penguins and their and their you know their injury troubles on the blue line and, and their history um, on on defense, I think you know getting a guy like that locked up, um, you know at at a fair price, um, you know at least in my opinion, I didn't, I thought it was it was, it was fairly it was pretty fair, and um, he's just been really solid. You don't you won't necessarily see him on the highlight reels or anything, but he's just a steady presence back there, and those players are huge, you know, come playoff time or or whenever throughout the long grind of the season. So I, I like the deal for him. 
And like you said, Latang's been injury prone. He's in his thirties. Yeah. Uh, locking up Peter- Peterson, having John Marino, um, mm-hmm. who I they clearly like a lot too. And then Dumoulin, um, that's a good foursome, I yeah. think, on your defensive line. I think you said they've had problems there, but I, I understand what they're doing, and they're locking up the young guys, and they still have the veterans um, there until they're ready to really um, take over a bigger role. I, I can understand where Pittsburgh's coming from, and I think it's a sound strategy, and a, it, it's it's fine. I think a five-year deal for Peterson's a good move, and the money's not crazy. Um, I am kind of surprised it was done mid-season. We don't see a lot of this kind yeah. of stuff happening mid-season. Yeah, I'm not too sure why exactly you know it, it happened. Now maybe they just they wanted to get it kind of. It just it was it was that time you know they were talking and they they found something that worked and maybe they just kind of knew he was going to be you know solid and it just seems like a fair fair deal for both sides. So I think both were wanting to kind of pull the trigger and and they just went with it. Yeah. Um... And the Penguins deserve a lot of credit because they were clearly exhausted um, in the last year or two um, from their their run, just Mm -hmm. playoff run after deep playoff run really took a toll on them. They've talked about that and uh, just the amount of games that some of those guys have played in. It's it's unreal. Um, It's been a great program, obviously, and they've won their titles. But for them to kind of be as good as they, they have this year and kind of get back into their uh penguins of old status it's it's interesting because i think a lot of people are writing them off as like a a, just a old contender that just can't probably can't get back there but um they're right there in the thick of things right like would you place them in uh contention for uh the stanley cup this year or do you still have uh major concerns about what they can be and maybe they're pseudo contenders uh uh, I, i i don't know i think it's fascinating yeah, I, it's definitely fast. And I think they've been, you know, one of the most intriguing uh, stories this year because you saw what, what kind of happened to them against um, the Islanders uh, in last year's uh, postseason. And I don't know what, what really the expectations were this year, but they kind of just continue to just kind of, you know, persevere and, and, and you know, get, get the job done. And especially when you have a guy like Sid goes down, when Sid goes down and then Malkin just steps right up, they got guys, you know, stepping up on I mean I think that that injury to uh Gensel is just devastating because he's such a such a study such a good player for them but they always find a way without injuries and you know they've got a solid they got a solid blue line um and goaltending I mean Jari's been a heck of a story I mean you know you, everyone's thinking Matt Murray's back in there and then you know he's still playing but I mean Jari's kind of taken over that role and they've you know, I don't, I wouldn't put them in the Stanley Cup contending kind of way, but I put them as like a lethal kind of, you know, the tier below that, like a solid, solid threat uh, in the East. Yeah, I, um, we'll, we'll have to see, but, uh, I would not roll anything out with the Penguins and Sidney Crosby. Well, yeah. One thing I've learned, it's don't count them out. Um, the Sabres, a team I have counted out in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, they're an interesting deadline team. It seems like they're going to be active. If you were Buffalo, how would you approach things? Yeah, I mean, they've made they made quite a few kind of moves that had me excited, at least for them heading into this season. And, you know, not necessarily all of it has, has really panned out, but they're kind of, you know, they're still, they're still in the, uh, in the picture. Um, 
So, you know, for, for the deadline, I think you kind of got to see how these next few, you know, this next kind of month goes leading up to the deadline to see what, what they need if they're going to try to make a playoff push or not. I think um, they have enough talent at the top. Um, we know with Eichel and Reinhardt, and then on defense, they've got some some solid pieces, um, some solid pieces in Do- in Dolan and Ristolainen and such. Um, obviously, Ristolainen's been in so many different trade rooms. You don't know if he's going to get dealt or not. I mean, I'm in. I I see a ton of value with him. So I mean, I think you keep him. But I think for the Sabers, they'd probably look at their their depth um, and kind of getting some supporting scoring behind Eichel. And and those guys and and I know Skinner's back from from injury now and you know if they're gonna make that push they need you see it so much that depth you know really carries teams um, far and I think that that's kind of what they need to do is kind of bolster that depth behind behind their studs. It's interesting the way it seems like Botarell is uh, framing their needs and their priorities. Um, heading into the, the deadline because it kind of reminds me of Bob Murray and the Ducks uh, the last couple of years where uh, just they're playing an older style veterans. They're playing at a slow pace. They need more scoring, this, that, and the other. Um, it seems like the Sabres are eyeing the same thing. Obviously, they went number one overall with the defensemen mm-hmm. and they are a team that needs more scoring. They need more punch. Yeah. Skinner is not enough. They need more bodies. Um Exactly. Just taking shots on net. And it's just interesting that uh, they've been better than you might expect in today's NHL, right? They're they're two games over 500. Like that's with the way they play and their talent level and just how it's all unfolded. It is kind of interesting that it has not been as bad, but also they got that great start and they've done that back to back years and kind of fallen back to 500 hockey. Um, I am curious if they really take a big swing because, um, Buffalo is a, it, they would be pesky if they were to take a big swing and they would be one of those intriguing teams that maybe they're uh, slightly ahead of schedule. I don't know. It depends on like how you look at their timeline and what you think of uh, their farm system and everything else. But um, I don't know. I, I, I do just see a resemblance to the ducks of the last couple of years where they're uh, not terrible. Um, but now the bottoms obviously fell, fell fall out, ugh, fallen out in Anaheim, um, but has not in Buffalo. So I don't know. That's just something I, I've been thinking about with them. Yeah, I think that you know, like depending on what happens, if, if they're still kind of in the race, and I think they could kind of you know, I mean, they want to end that, they want to end their drought, right? So they want to give, yeah, they want to give fans playoff hockey. So you know, I think even if you know if they get in, they're not, they're not likely to, to make it too far, but just to get in and kind of, you know, you never know what can happen when you get in. And I think, you know, I've been watching J- Jack Eichel a lot this year. He's, he's incredible. I, I mean, you know, one team, one player doesn't make a team, but he could, he can do a lot. He can put this team on his back. And if he gets a little bit of support, I think they, they could be right there um, in, in the thick of the race. Um, last couple of things. We'll wrap up here. For sure. Um, what storylines are you monitoring uh, in the second half of the season outside of the whether or not the Maple Leafs are going to make the playoffs? Um, well, I'm monitoring once one. Uh, I'm monitoring the uh, Kachuk versus 
Edmonton storyline quite a lot. I, uh, you know, that's that's been a, you know the Battle of Alberta and he's the Kachuk brothers are kind of I think they're great for the game of hockey and and, and what they're doing and I'm really excited to kind of see what happens what happens there and um and then we have one other story that storyline that I'm monitoring is just how insane the Pacific Division is in terms of um how tight it is and you got all these teams that are just within, you know, a couple points of each other and they're all kind of battling. You have no idea who's going to come out on top, who's going to miss. So those are probably two kind of storylines that I'm monitoring and also, you know, the potential of that rare uh, repeat for the Blues potentially. That's that's intriguing right now. They got a heck of a team. I'm, I think I'm most interested in the Canucks. Yeah. People keep waiting for the bottom to fall out there. They're a lot better than anyone would have predicted coming into the year. I don't know what you thought about them being uh, mm-hmm. local there, but I don't think anybody had them at 28, 18, and 4 at this point in the season. I don't think any of them saw uh, Vertanen turning the corner. I don't think a lot of people saw even Quinn Hughes being as good as he's been. Um, I don't know. I think they're a very fascinating team down the stretch, and like we talk about teams who are ahead of schedule. I think they are the perfect example of the head of schedule team that we're all just kind of waiting to see what happens there but you know they've been they've been awesome and i am curious if uh the Burton and stuff is real mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think for so heading into this year many kind of projected them you know with these with these young players you know you got hughes coming in you got peterson and Bester and, Hor- and horvat they project them to take you know a step forward but yeah, you, I mean, I think you, you're right there with, you know, nobody really expected them to be where, where they're at right now in terms of, you know, a record. They just won their ninth straight at home. And now they're, you know, they're on top of the Pacific Division right now. And yeah, Vertanen's been, I think, you know, patience has been such a key for Vertanen because you've seen flashes of it and then it just kind of, it kind of, it would go away, right? And then it would come back for a game. And you kind of be like, okay, well, 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 I mean, what do we got here with this guy? But he's doing it consistently this season. Um, you know, he's playing on this, you know, dynamic second line with um, Peterson and Miller right now. I mean, I don't know how long that line's going to stay together, but, you know, they connected for another pair of goals against the Blues. They, you know, they defeated the, the defending Stanley Cup champs and, there's so much talent on this roster and you've got, um, you know, Thatcher Demko just turned in a great performance behind, you know, Mark Stream has just been a workhorse. So if you got a backup like that, I mean, that's huge. So there's a lot of great pieces. I thought they made a lot of great moves. The JT Miller move in particular, I didn't really know what to expect from JT Miller. And then he just kind of blew everybody away. He's been such a, such a great piece for them. He's, you know, he's, he plays a heavy game and, he also knows how to score goals. So, you know, they've got some good additions. And with the way the Pacific is and Vegas kind of stumbling a little bit, I mean, it's wide open for Vancouver to possibly claim the, the division title this year. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how it all unfolds. Um, this has been great. I appreciate the time as always, Brady. Um, is there anything we should check out from you this week? Um. No, I mean, I'll just plug. I mean, if you're not following me on Twitter, follow me at Brady Trent. I'll always have uh, fresh content out there. And uh, yeah, and I'll promote any of my work on there. So if you want to toss me a follow on there, you'll get highlights and more. Go do that. Follow Brady. 
He's one of the best. Appreciate that. Appreciate the time. And uh, we will talk hockey again soon. Yeah. uh, I always appreciate you having me on and I'm looking forward to being back on. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by a first timer who has covered Illinois basketball for quite a long time. Not trying to date you, Brad, but uh, it's in your Twitter bio. So, 14 years covering Illini basketball. Um, I grew up when Illini basketball was very good. I grew up with Darren Williams and Deep Brown and all those guys. And uh, then it went away for a long time. And now maybe, maybe Illini basketball is about to be memorable and good and part of uh uh you know just uh good mem- formative memories for young basketball fans um is this weird to just see uh the fighting line i turning the corner again well it's it's good because um, i actually just like you i started covering them back when they had d brown and darren williams and uh and that group so uh that's when i started and Luther now had you're too. no disrespect had, that was that was yeah. my fault oh yeah james augustine as well you know so they had some they had some good ones um and uh, so that's when I got to start covering them. So now, you know, now it's good. You know, I, I went through the lean years, I guess you would say. <laughs> it was a long time of uh, a lot of struggle there. Um, and I think fans, you know, kind of lost a little bit of interest. They went, you know, the the attendance went down. They went from having, you know, you know, sellouts for years. Uh, they used to sell out in season tickets before the season started. Now, you know, then a few years back, you know, the highest, they didn't have any sellouts. So, um, they actually have sellout this year. So you can see the interest is there from Illini fans, but also I think nationally, you know, they're, they're kind of a, a lot of, a lot of people have called it a sleeping giant program because, you know, with the, they have such a, um, they, you know, have great facilities, um, a, you know, they're in the big 10, which is a great conference. And of course they got a fertile recruiting ground with Chicago and, uh, St. Louis and Indianapolis all right there within, uh, you know, a couple, three hours. So, it's really, uh, you know, it's got a lot of positives and, and you just, they need to get the right people in, in, in place and they, they have a chance to maybe uh, do it again. Uh, they're on a run right now for sure. Do you believe Underwood is that guy? Yeah, I think he can be. I mean, you know, if the big thing for him, the question when he was hired is, you know, can he recruit at this level? Because he really hadn't done it. You know, um, you know, he took over at Stephen F. Austin and, you know, he was fantastic. Obviously he went like 53 and one in conference over three years, but and then he went to Oklahoma State, but he, you know it was all somebody else's players, and um, he made them better. There's no doubt. You know those guys had you know some great numbers um, with him coaching them. But when he comes to Illinois, you know the question is, can you do it with your own guys? And I think now we're seeing that. You know with guys like uh, you know Io DeSumo and uh, Kofi Coburn, and um, even you know finding some diamonds in the rough like a Georgie Bashanasvili, and um, then then you know this year's recruiting class where he's got two more uh, you know dynamic guards coming in, and uh, Andre Curbelo and uh, Adam Miller who are both you know, in the top 50 nationally. And, uh, so they're, I think, I think he's, he's got an opportunity to be that guy, you know, I, and I think how they finish this season, will tell a lot, get a lot of momentum going this off season, help with that 2021 class. I think either way, they're going to be really good next year. Um, probably be a little better than they are this year. Um, even though I, you know, I expect them to lose a couple guys, but I, I think, uh, it'll be, it will be, uh, it's a program that's definitely on the rise. Got a chance to make some noise nationally. So where do they have to get to um, to be a perennial contender? Where, where do you want to see his recruiting? Like where, when you're checking 247 Sports Composite ratings, where do you want to see the Illini at over a couple of years spread before you're like, okay, maybe Illini basketball is officially back? 
Well, I mean, I think you've got to stack classes, you know, consistently get top 20 classes, um, you know, stop, start, keep mixing in a, an impact player. You know, they, they added IO the first year and then um, Kofi last year, and then they're going to add uh, Adam Miller and Andre Cabello this year. So those are like four, what you'd call it. Maybe they're not, they're fringe five-star kids, you know, kids in the top, you know, 40 uh, in the country. And, and so when you get kids like that, consistently every year and then you fill in around them with some nice pieces you know whether it's georgie vishanasvili and a juco kid like andres feliz um, who they brought in um or, and and then find some pieces you know like this year coleman hawkins has really been uh, on the rise he's a kid that they signed in the fall uh you know a 610 you know shooter kind of a uh combo forward who um you know really really nice player so when you start putting those pieces together i think that's when you're on the rise but i think consistently you got to have that you know, being if you're consistently in that top 20 class range, then you've got a chance to be, uh, you know, chance to do well. What's going on with Tevian Jones? Well, you know, Tevian's had a lot of it, his biggest issues probably been off the floor as much as anything with, uh, you know, numerous suspensions since he's been on, he's only been on campus for two years and he's had uh, multiple suspensions. Um, you know, whether it's one game, eight games, he missed almost the entire first semester this year. Um, so it's been, uh, you know, it's been a struggle for him. He's had some moments, some flashes. You know, last year against Maryland, he was fantastic. Basically, he was the reason they beat Maryland at Madison Square Garden. Um, you know, that was pretty, pretty cool to see in attendance. He was obviously he was, uh, you know, you thought maybe he'd turn the corner, and he had some, he did some good things in the off season, and then he, you know, he struggles again. So I think his big thing is um, if he can put it all together. He, he's got some ability. He's got a lot of talent. He can shoot the ball. He's very athletic. Um, but he's just kind of figure out how to play a little bit and then, and then get the off court stuff uh, squared away, because if he can do that, then, you know, he's a valuable piece moving forward and, and maybe even this season. So, um, but right now he's just kind of, kind of we've got a lot of things that, that are in his way. Who's more likely to be um, an Illinois fighting Illini. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce this dude's last name. Alex Chico. How are we going to say this? T C H I K O E or O U. He got an offer yeah. from Illini recently. Yeah. How do we pronounce this mm-hmm. guy's name? Am, am I, cr- I I have no idea. I think it's Jakku. I think Jakku? so. But, uh, okay. Yeah. And then you but also have Kendall Brown, who Kendall is Brown. also a big target. So who do you think is more realistic for Illinois? Um, I don't know, man. They've been in to see both of those guys over the past uh, this week. Um, they're obviously guys that they really like. Yeah, I think they've been in, obviously been in on Brown longer. Um, so I, I think maybe they've built a better relationship there, but we'll see, you know, we'll have to see how it, how it all shakes out down the road. I think those guys are a long way from a decision. So, um, right now I would say that they're probably closer with Brown, but, um, you just never know. I mean, uh, you never know what, uh, what can happen. Sometimes strange things happen. I know they're really, uh, that 2021 class has really become a focus, you know, as they've gotten on this run and won these, you know, six conference games in a row, they they got some national notor- notoriety and uh, you can kind of sell that around the country and also in state. And they've had some uh, good feedback for some in state kids in 2021 and 2022. So if they can get that, I think, uh, you know, they're in a, they're in a good position. They're kind of starting ahead last year. It seems like last two years, it seems like they're always filling a filling holes at the end of the year, you know, trying to fill in a recruiting class. And this year they're full and now they're, they're ahead, you know, they're ahead of the game a little bit and going 2021 and 2022 and uh, filling those spots, which uh, last year they were still filling from the, you know, for the next season. So um, that's a, that's a positive. If you had to describe and depict what makes this year squad um, 
really run what what about this what makes this engine move um in illinois what what do they do that's so effective well what's really changed for them this year is defensively they've been fantastic um they've totally changed the way they defend how they defend uh, you know obviously kofi coburn is a big part of that you know his ability to protect the rim and also just that you know they, they couldn't play the same way if he's on the floor um so he's been great i think you know they've got a guy in io Desuma who is a closer um who uh, you know can makes plays at the end of the games, whether it's making the right read on a ball screen, whether and hitting a pull up jump shot, or you know making a pass, or coming up hitting a three, whatever it is, he just seems to make the right play at the end of the game. And then you've got uh, Trent Frazier, who has been, I think, lately the last during this streak, he's gotten hot from three, and uh, when he gets hot, he's he's very difficult to guard. He's got great range. You know he can expand the you know extend the defense. Then when you got a guy like Kofi inside, a guy like Trent extending the you know, stretching the floor, it really makes them hard to guard. And then Trent's also been fantastic defensively. Um, the other day against Michigan, he got in foul trouble early and you could see that's when uh, Xavier Simpson kind of went to work and he scored. And then, you know, Frazier comes back in and, and they did a better job on Simpson when he comes back in the game. So um, defensively, he's a, he's probably, I, I think he should be on the all big 10 defensive team. So I would say the defense has improved and then they, you know, have kind of gotten these guys have filled, found their roles and, and, and they're clicking. What do you think ultimately happens? They're first in the Big Ten right now. Do you think this is a sustainable team? Do you think they are able to run the table, win the Big Ten, and really do some damage in the tournament? I think the next four games are going to tell us. Um, right now, I, I, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of them winning the Big Ten. I think they're probably. I think they'll make the NCAA tournament. I think they've got a chance to get in the Sweet 16, um, but I'm not sure that they're quite ready to be that. You know, kind of a a, a top top three seed or something like that and, and, and do you know, win the big 10. So I think Michigan state's still the best team, but, but at the same time, they've got uh, four games coming up. They got Minnesota at home. And obviously they've got that uh, Daniel Oturo, who's a fantastic big man, uh, be a great matchup with he and Kofi. They've got, then they go to Iowa and then they come home and they've got uh, Maryland and Michigan state. So I think those four games are really where we're going to find out, you know, if they're, they're two and two, the, that's probably uh that's a good finish for those four games. So if they're three and one, you, then I think they're in the hunt uh, to win the big 10 title. And I think they're right there. That'd put them at, you know, uh, 10 and two through 12 games. And so uh, that's, that's about all you can, uh, or 10 and three rather through 12, 13 games. So that's about all you can ask for starting the season that puts you in a good position with their closing schedule, which is uh, obviously a lot, you know, much easier down the stretch with, they got to still got games with, some home games, then they got games with uh, Northwestern, Nebraska, teams that's kind of at the bottom of the league standing. So the, the opportunity is there, um, and I think in, a, in about a, oh, two weeks we're going to know um, whether they're a contender or a pretender. What is your um, take? Oh, how are Illinois fans taking all of this? Where are they? Are they getting too overconfident? Like, we're back now, the Texas fan um, who's just like, we're back. <laughs> This is us. Like Sam Ellinger is Colt McCoy 2.0, or are they a lot more cautious about the kind of season that they're having? They're like, look, we would love, you'd love, love, love to be back, but we're, we got to see it. We got to wait on this. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's both. I, I think there's some people who are really like, you know, they're back and things. I think there's still some fans who've been jaded over the past few years of not making NCAA tournaments. And uh, they're a little cautious and they want to say, hey, you know, we need to see this. So that's what we've kind of noticed on our message board, on our rivals message board is there's a lot of, um, you know, there's both sides, you know. And But I think most fans are pretty excited. Just to, they feel like even if this isn't the year when they make the Sweet 16 or Final Four or something like that, 
this is a year that is kind of, you, you can see them being an NCAA term. It's like that next step, next progression. And they feel like next year could be even better. So I think that's been a, um, you know, that's where most people are at. I think they they're content with just being a, you know, kind of winning a game in the NCAA tournament, you know, getting a, getting a, getting in and winning a game and they feel good about this season. And then if, um, and they feel like they've built well with the recruiting class and, and, and things going forward. So if that happens, I think they're going to be really excited next year and they're going to be like, we're back. Um, I think that's going to be across the board, but you notice, like I said, uh, they've already sold out some games um, going forward and, you know, in a, in a 16,000 seat arena selling out, you know, uh, the Indiana game that's coming up and then um, got some games, Maryland, Michigan state, those games uh, it's, it's pretty, that's pretty good. It's a, creates a great atmosphere and uh, makes it a really tough place to play. All right. Well, this has been great. I appreciate uh, the time uh, tonight, Brad. I got to get a prediction though. What is your, what is your prediction on how the season ends? If you had your, what is your gut telling you? Yeah, I, I predicted uh, before the season, I actually thought they'd go 11 and nine in the big 10 right now. I, I, I've changed that. And I think they're going to go 13 and seven, which obviously isn't maybe the finish people want, but that's a six and five finish. Um, you know, over the last 11. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm at. I think that that's, uh, I think they're going to be 13 and seven finished like in that, in that middle second through fourth in the big 10. And I think, uh, you know, depending on, I, I think the winner's probably going to be 14 and six. So, so I, I think the Michigan state's probably going to end up there and I think Illinois will be a game behind them. That's my prediction. I think they'll maybe win. I think they'll win a game in the big 10 tournament. And then I think they'll, uh, win a game in the NCAA tournament as well. So that's kind of my you know, where I'm looking at and that's kind of what I feel. If they do a little better than that, obviously I think uh, most people will be pretty excited. All right, Brad, this has been great. I appreciate it. What can we check out from you this week on Illinois rivals? Uh, well, you know, we'll have game previews. We got some recruiting updates. Uh, Illinois may have a uh, big visitor coming up. So uh, this weekend we're still waiting to get confirmation. So uh, for basketball. So if that happens, that'd be pretty cool. All right, go check that and uh, keep up the great work, Brad, and good luck the rest of the way. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you uh, to the wonderful guests for coming on today's show. Thank you uh, to my wonderful listeners for listening to today's episode. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. Um, If you like today's episode, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple. It would be great. Um, It helps the show continue to grow and I would very much appreciate it. Uh, You can also support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash chase thomas writer um for as little as five dollars a month it helps the show keep the lights on so that would be a great help to me as well uh you can also follow me on twitter at chase underscore thomas you could go to chase thomas which has all of my stuff all my episodes ever um links to everything that you need um and all of my writing that uh i'm doing fairly often these days um on the nfl on nba on college football on pro wrestling I write about everything. I write a lot. Um, so go read me on that front. So if you're not tired of listening to me, you can also read me. Um, so that's awesome. But uh, I think that's enough self-promotion from me for one episode. Uh, I hope you continue listening. That would be great. And uh, I will talk to you all again very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.